It's about 9pm as I type this in the hotel. My wife is sitting on the bed with our little girl Angelica and the skies are lit up with fireworks. I hope to God everything is alright. They told me to document the events of the day. It's better than sitting around, they said. So, I'm going to tell you what happened. No sleep. Until I get the call. My family and I arrived at the airport at about 7am, and after a long night, I was relieved to know that we would be on the plane soon. I should have noticed it then. But kicking myself in the head isn't going to solve anything. Finding that man will. When we got onto the flight, my wife sat next to our daughter, and I sat next to our son, Chandler. The guy across from us looked at him and smiled. He gurgled back and laughed. <laughs> How old is he? The old man chuckled. Well, he just turned four, actually. We're taking him to Disney World for his birthday. The plane rumbled, and we fastened our seatbelts. Well, it just so happens... He rubbed his chin, and the brown hair on his head moved. That my wife is currently dragging me along to Disney World as well. The woman next to him slapped him playfully. The name's Darlene. I'm Xavier. And you? I'm Giel. Nice to meet you, Xavier. And with that, the plane shot off to Florida. That's when I had my dream. Someone was speaking to me in a dark room. Usually when I have nightmares like this, I wake up at the first jump scare or gnarly face that pops up. Because they always pop up, and they always scare me. This time, I was strapped down to the floor and I could hear a door open. No light escaped, but the footsteps were loud. Loud like rhinos. The floor started moving, and I was strapped into a chair now. Suddenly a rush of air hit me, and a child's scream flew past my ear. When the air stopped moving, I woke up, and the plane had landed. But the couple was gone, probably because I was the last one there, along with my family, who had been trying to wake me up. I apologized, and we got to Disney World in no time. We hit the water park first, much to Angie's dismay. See, she adores the park characters, and they didn't normally show up there. A crazy chance was that Donald Duck showed up then in swimsuit gear and goggles. Our kids went ecstatic when he asked them if they wanted to go swimming. And we obliged, but I went with them nonetheless. Afterwards, we went to the bathrooms to clean up, and that's when it happened. I came out first, and then I saw Donald Duck come in. I shrugged and laughed. Must have been an emergency. Ten minutes later, my son still hadn't came out. I went into the bathroom and checked all the stalls. They were empty. Every single stall was empty. Entirely devoid of people. Jane! I ran outside, hoping my wife had him. But she was sitting outside with just Angie. Where's Chandler? I saw him go into the bathroom. 
Wasn't he with you? She asked. Wait. Who was there with you? How many others were in there? Come to think of it, it was just me and Donald Duck. My face paled. We gotta find him. Now. We ran to the security and asked if they could get a hold of a Donald Duck actor who might have abducted Chandler. We'll contact management. They'll call him through this walkie-talkie. Stay here. We'll go searching, too. We thanked the officers and sat down for a good hour before they came back. They opened the door and looked angry and pointed fingers at us. Get out. What? Did you find our... You think it's funny to lie about crimes like this? The first officer lifted a clipboard in front of my face. It had the names of the characters who clocked in today, and their names, and what time they came. Mickey Mouse, Arnold Hastings, 9am. Minnie Mouse, Emma Poland, 8.54am. Donald Duck, Trevor Poland, away for funeral in Argentina, will not be back for two weeks. Alternate. Donald Duck, Hillary June, absent. Neither of them showed up today. So unless you want more trouble, I'll ask you to please leave. Edit. I forgot some of the parts of the retelling, and I just can't sleep. It seems that I have typos, too. That's kind of weird. I don't remember seeing those when I sent this to No Sleep, but uh, back to the story. First off, Donald Duck didn't actually swim. He just sort of dipped his costume into the pool a little with them, and talked to them in his quacky voice. When I asked him if he minded, he just answered, It's okay, in his cartoon voice. Sorry, I don't have a good impersonation. Of course, afterwards, we left immediately to find the local police department, who assured us that they would begin a citywide search which would grow over time if needed. Apparently, it's normal for the duck himself to do odd things with the guests, like ride the kitty stuff that won't rip his costume, or dance with people when music comes on. What really stumps me, though, is why they treated us so badly. We lost our son, and they wouldn't even believe us. But we finally got a call. The Kissimmee Police Department also looked up both actors and gave a call to Hillary June. She agreed to come into the station tomorrow, so I'll be anxious for that. The officer on the line also asked what the names were of the park officers, and I told him the name tags said Jones and Carhold. They might be in need of some discipline for turning us away, he said. We are usually very responsible parents. And I don't know how this could happen. The best I can sleep with is the hope that Hillary June knows something here. There's a knock on the door. Must be the nightmates. I should go. Until next time. Edit 2. It's been about another hour since I got a second call from the police department. They contacted Disney World about the case, and they said that this is their first notice of the kidnapping. 
Sheriff Bard asked them why, and they said none of their park officers said a peep to them. The names Jones and Carhold were mentioned. Both Disney World and the police station looked into their names, and it turns out that both of them are employed at Universal Studios. They had quit their jobs at Disney months ago. What's more, their boss could vouch for them. I don't know what's going on anymore. I just want him home. Please, if there is a god, please bring my baby boy home to me. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm typing this with a blanket around my neck and my wife next to me. My phone is getting low as we ride around in the police car, but but this is important. Last night, when some of you said that there was a message in my submission, I was extremely alarmed. So I slept in my daughter's room for the remainder of the night. Who is we? And why are they after my family? I figured someone got a hold of my account, so I changed the password. In the morning, I was called down to the station to meet Hillary June and talk to some of the Disney officials. Before I left, I insisted my wife and daughter to come with me. The hotel is a big one, and and I don't want to lose any more of my family. We were greeted at the door by a skinny man with freckles on his face, who directed us into the Sheriff Bard's office. Bard was a lot skinnier than he sounded on the phone, to be quite honest. Well, he told us to sit down, and Hillary June was currently driving over. In one of the seats was a man in a brown three-piece suit. One of the Disney officials. His name is Harold's. I'm terribly sorry for your child, Daniel. Bard walked over to the door. Would you like anything to eat? I'm going to the place across the street... I know we called you down a little early. No, it's fine, Sheriff. But my daughter raised her hand. Can, can I have eggs and bacon, please? I shrugged, and the Sheriff nodded and laughed as he left. We're terribly sorry about this situation, sir. Harold's hands me a card. We'll do everything in our power to help get your son back. Here's my number in case you need it. He then handed me another card. And a lifetime pass to all seven parks. For four people. Shocked, I took both things from him and simply nodded. Thank you. It's been scary these past couple of hours. My son is only God knows where. I rub my temples for the seventh time that day and... I take a deep breath. It's... it's just hard. You know. I know. Harold puts his arm on my shoulder. Just try and relax. You're doing a great job so far. When the sheriff came back, he came in with a bag of takeout breakfast and a woman with brown and blonde hair. 
This is Hillary June, everyone. Hillary, this is Daniel and his family. We're here because his son has been kidnapped. And yes, I know, it's all over the news now. She took a seat and folded her hands on the table. What kind of questions do you have for me, Sheriff? I'd much rather get this over with. First off, do you know any of the other Donald Duck actors in the park? There are several listed, but but most have been verified to have been in other parks or absent that day. They've all come into the station, except for you and a Mr. Trevor Pollan, who is in Argentina for his friend's funeral. What about his sister? I chimed. Shouldn't she be with him as his spouse? An awkward silence ensued until Hillary spoke again. I know Trevor more than any of them. His sister, too. The sheriff nodded. Oh, his sister. Where were you yesterday? I was at the hospital because my sister broke her legs in a car accident. See, it was an emergency, Sheriff. Her tone was gruff. He pulled out a paper containing the officers' names from the parks. Have you heard or seen of Officer Carhold or Jones? Her face paled, but only for a moment. A twitch of the eye, a subtle tap of her fingers. I could practically feel the uneasiness from here. They quit a long time ago. Are they connected to this somehow? The sheriff nodded and looked outside. There are three people so far that we are suspecting. One in the Donald Duck costume, who we have no account for, and two men who impersonated officers Carhold and Jones. We need any leads we can get if we want to catch them. Something was bothering me. It seemed like they should have checked the camera feeds, no? So I suggested it. Sir, I pointed at his computer, did you not check their camera feeds? He sighed and sat down in front of me. Son, this is something I neglected to tell you, mainly because I wanted you to all be here first. Bard opened a file on his computer marked August 2nd, 2014, and played a video. It was blank static. What the hell happened? My hands started shaking. What happened to those cameras? Well, after doing a park-wide search, we found several of these in the area. He opened his desk drawer and unsealed a box. It contained a small mechanical device, small enough to be an iPad, but with antennas coming out of it. An ECM jammer. They disabled the cameras. The park also found two dead bodies in the camera room. Daniel. He slid a paper across to me. This is what was left in the pockets of one of the guards. Two people dead. How badly did these people want my son? What's so special about my family that these people had to torment us like this? I unfolded the paper and started reading. Everyone huddled around me. August 3rd, 10 a.m. You are reading this paper, I assume. If you aren't, then I'm seeing something totally different right now. 
Say hi to the cameras for me, Daniel. That's right. Look aimlessly around the room. And then look behind you. <laughs> Maybe look. The powers of technology are priceless, aren't they? Perhaps you should stop touching my jammers. See, they're very precious to me. A crackpot-like sheriff bard should really stay away from them. But you, Daniel? See, you, I want to see you again. Remember what I said. And remember that we are always watching. You must always remember. One more question. There was a picture attached to the bottom of the letter. It was from last year's family reunion. Almost half the faces were circled, and my son was crossed out with an X. Who is next? Love. Donald Duck. Smiley face. P.S. Divide. He's... He's a monster. A fucking monster. I slam my fist on the table. How does he know our names? And what would he do? Bard got up to call a technician to look at the ECM jammer again and the cameras. All the while, June was shivering in her seat, her face pale again. What's wrong? You okay? Jane put a hand on her shoulder, and a tear fell from her eye. How many words are in that letter? She trembled. And how many people in that photo? I gave a quick count, not counting 3rd or 10 a.m. 105 words, and, and about 21 people in my reunion picture. I looked at her curiously. What does it even matter? She took a deep breath. June was hiding something. God damn it. I almost wish that she hadn't told us. The PS note says divide. She took the letter off the table. These are the first logical numbers that popped into my head. She continued pointing at a date on the calendar. If you divide 105 by 21, that's 5. It'll be August 5th in two days. Her hands trembled again. The same day my brother went missing two years ago. A sob escaped her lips. I had a bad lump in my throat. Why are you telling us? Do you know what's happening? Tell us! My son's life is on the line, and you're sitting here beating around the bush like a, like a pussycat. My wife pulled me back. The technicians came in and immediately took away the jammer and disabled both of the cameras inside the office. She's in a lot of trauma, Daniel. Calm down. It's no use being so angry. It won't find Chandler. She kneeled in front of Hillary and held her hands. Honey, we, we need to know. Why are you telling us? Hillary June told us. He went missing at Disney World. The last time I saw him was with a Mickey Mouse character when they were taking pictures for his old college friends to see.
but they never found him alive. Do you mean he... I whispered. She pointed outside. They found his body mangled, torn apart. A letter was left there with the same handwriting as this one. What did he look like? My brain was clicking. Something about her last name made me wonder. He had brown hair and a pair of brown eyes to match. He was fairly tan and, and was about my height. Here's a picture. When she showed me her phone, I remembered why her last name was so familiar. Brown hair. Brown eyes. Did he have a wife? I retorted. Yes? I gulped before answering. His name is Guile June, isn't it? How did you... Look, I'm not much of a believer in the supernatural, but you gotta believe me when I say this. I saw your missing brother on the plane here. He was there, and my wife saw him too. Impossible! She shouted at me. He died! That was his body! They tested his blood and everything! My daughter chimed in. Was he the man with the big bags? A moment of confusion. I do remember him having some huge luggage at the drop-off. Yes. Why? Well, I saw white feathers coming out of them, Daddy. They were big and fluffy and everything. I got a text from my phone at that moment, from a blocked number. They were pretty, too. Don't forget that. Smiley face. Now we're chasing after a guile June, who may or may not be alive. Either way, I feel like we've delved into something much, much deeper here. Tonight, June sleeps in the room across from us, because she wants to find her brother. I still have one of my son's stuffed animals fingered in my hand. A stuffed monkey, with his name embroidered on the chest. Chandler, my, my boy, please come back safely. P.S. Whoever you are, you faceless bastard, we're coming for you. Whiskey Echo. Kylo November Oscar Whiskey. Sierra Hotel Echo. India Sierra. Alpha Lima Oscar November Echo. Edit. We just got back from our chase. No details can be disclosed yet, not until we verify everything. But we checked both my daughter's and June's room. June is gone. And from what I gather here, that fucking bastard took her. He left behind a white feather on her bed, but it had blood spread all around it. On the bed sheets, on the floor, it was everywhere. It's a damn circular pattern, and at the edge of the bed, another note. It's intangible. I'm changing my phone soon. Maybe then this guy won't be able to hack me.
This is Jane. Uh, Daniel can't type these updates anymore. Not after today. Not after the 5th. I'm gonna relay everything that happened yesterday and what's going to inevitably happen tonight. There's a fine line between the subtle hint of madness that we all hold inside of us and the beast on the other side that threatens to drag us into insanity. Some of us will say that we would never do this, never do that. We would say that we aren't crazy. But there is always a breaking point in the line. There will always be an unbreakable catalyst that drags us to the other side. If you believe this, then please try to understand what I am going to tell you. We arrived at Magic Kingdom at about 12.03 a.m. on August 4th, and security locked down all the exits when we came in. We had a squad of about 20 officers, who split up into groups of four. Daniel and I were on with Mickinson, Derry, Thompson, and Izumi. We hit the Space Mountain area first. To make things easier on us, the workers lit up everything possible in the park. Even if this bastard was hiding on the bottom of the roller coaster tracks, we'd get him. At least, that's what we thought. Stay close. Izumi motioned with his flashlight into the entrance. I just received a call from Bard. He says everywhere else has been secured. This is the last possible place that this guy could be hiding in. We didn't even know if he was here at all. The only lead we had was on the phone signal that they traced from the duck's text to Daniel. It was inside Magic Kingdom, but at this point he could be anywhere. We may seem like we're too calm about this. I know. But that's only because we know as parents that panicking blinds us with fear. Our minds have to be sharp if we want to find Chandler, that's all. The first thing we noticed when we headed inside was the smell. No, it wasn't rotting corpses or even just a bad stench of onion. It just smelled like metal. Tons of metal. And it was really heavy. My god. Daniel whispered. He pointed at the sign where the line starts for the roller coaster. A piece of poster board hung on the wall. I'm waiting for you, Daniel. He started shaking and I took his hand. Suddenly the light flickered and I could hear a vibration coming from Dan's new phone. It's a text. Don't keep me sad. Donald Duck hates to be sad. A shame it would be for you not to come. Come on, Dan. I pulled him along, Azumi and Derry quickly taking the vanguard. Don't let him get you like this. Okay, it's just another guy or woman like you and me. Nothing special. We'll find him. As we entered the line, we heard a noise like a subway going down a metro. The screeching was loud, and thanks to the fans, I felt it too. Jane, I need you to stay back when we go near this guy. Dan looked me in the eyes with blue eyes of his own. Robin's eggs, I told him. Just like Robin eggs. Honey, we have four police officers with us. Derry waved his hand to us as reassurance. Just be ready for anything. Okay. And with that, he tapped his pocket. 
a vibration, checking his phone again. <laughs> well, well. The little Jane bug takes charge. Be ready. Be ready for anything. What a nice piece of advice. The officer saw the text too and shined a light on the walls for cameras. They looked like they were off, but you never know. This guy could do anything. Walking down further, I realized that some of the lights still weren't on. They grew dimmer, or they were just plain off. Mickinson radioed Bard to ask about it. Uh, Sheriff? What happened to the lights? Over. All we could hear as a reply was static. Damn, he said. Uh, must be another jammer somewhere. He pulled his pistol out. You folks sure you don't want to stay with us from this point on? It might get dangerous. We nodded silently and kept walking. The rest of the journey was quiet, till we got to the loading area. I read Daniel's first post here, when he said that he had a dream about being in a chair and feeling wind blowing in his hair. It oddly enough sounds like being on a roller coaster. Then the wind started. Daniel pointed at the hole where the coaster should come from. That bastard's in there, riding the coaster with our son. The rumbling noises got louder and the officers drew their guns. If we had any chance to stop him, this was it. Get ready. Thompson held his gun like a hunter. He's going to stop soon. And sure enough, the cart pulled in. I can't tell you the dread I felt when I saw who was inside. Donald Duck himself, staring straight at us. He didn't even bother to get out of the cart. The blank stare that we couldn't see through his costume seemed to pierce us just the same. Put your hands up! Pickinson walked over to him, and take off the fucking costume! Donald didn't move an inch. He just kept staring into space. I said, put your hands up! He poked Donald with the barrel of the pistol, and he promptly fell over. His head rolled over to the other side of the floor. I figured out why it smelled so much like metal. Inside the costume, all you could see was a little bundle of meat, and bloody parts of... Oh god. It's hard to type this. There were two pieces that looked like fingers. And I knew. Daniel knew. We all knew. They were so small. It was the tears first, I think. That's what came over Daniel. He wouldn't move. He couldn't move for a bit. Then he collapsed with his knees on the floor and he dragged the costume over to us. It hit the floor with a thunk, and a piece of paper flew out. All it said was, Why? I'll never forget what happened after this. No one will believe me. But this is what we saw. A humanoid shape jumped down from the ceiling onto Daniel. And from a glance, it looked like Guile from the plane. 
He screamed bloody murder and started wrestling with him, but a kick in the stomach and a hand chop to the head knocked him unconscious, and Guile held him up by his hair. All our eyes were trained on him now, but, but this wasn't Guile. It was never Guile. How do I explain this? Uh, his face. It literally exploded into a thousand pieces, spraying wet flesh all over us. The sight was revolting, but, but what was under his face was even worse. A thousand little, little tentacles, hair follicles, whatever they were. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, everything else about it was normal. It still had Guile's body, still had on his green polo shirt. But then it spoke. The cycle must continue. And then he put Daniel's face in front of his own. If you could even call it a face. And then it started touching Daniel's face with the tentacles everywhere. Shoot it! That broke the spell, and McKinson raised his gun to empty it into this thing. Three thuds were heard, then a low hissing noise. I looked up and was terrified. What's wrong, honey? Daniel said. Aren't you glad that you're here? But it wasn't Daniel. No, Daniel was passed out on the floor. This was the thing talking to me. I froze. What happened to the officers? A quick glance showed me that they had passed out too. What are you? What did you do to my son? Is he alive? Daniel could only stare at me with a small grin. If I didn't notice his eyes, I could almost imagine it was him. They were constantly changing color from... from blue... To green, to a clear white. The cycle must continue. I must survive. A low voice emitted from his mouth without moving it at all. I had the courage to ask one more thing. Why? It put a hand on my shoulder, and for a moment, I thought it looked sorry, but then its mouth opened, and all I could see was a writhing mass of tentacles. The fifth is coming. I blacked out after that. When I woke up, I was in a hospital room. The window was open, and light was shining onto my blanket. Someone shouted, She's awake! She's awake! And the door burst open. Two doctors came in and checked my vitals on the screen next to me. Ma'am, are you okay now? I'm Dr. Hannes, and this is Dr. Kier. Kier sat down next to the bed and touched my forehead. Oh, good. She's not like the others. She said. I looked at the calendar across the room next to the door. What do you mean... Like the others. August 5th was circled. What day is it? Why, it's the 5th. Hannes adjusted his glasses. But... But about your husband... 
We don't want to alarm you, especially not in your state. Just tell me what's wrong with him. I whispered. The brain is split into many different parts, as you know. The frontal lobe is one of them. What we discovered in Daniel's and the officer's heads was something odd. Their brains have an extra lobe, and it can only be described as a rapidly growing infected cell. Are, are you saying that they have cancer? I'm saying something is happening to them, but we don't know what yet. However, you seem to be uninfected. Where is Daniel? I need to see him. Hannes took a big breath and put a hand on my shoulder. I brushed it off. It reminded me too much of that thing. He's... He's not awake yet. The other officers are alive and well, but we believe Daniel is in a coma. He pulled up a diagram of a brain on the computer. The unidentified cell is also growing exponentially. And to what extent? Well, uh, no one knows yet. The weight of the news practically numbed my feelings. But I had one more question. Doctor, is... Is my son alive? There was still the possibility that those weren't his fingers. And I had to hold on to the hope. I had to believe. They walked out without saying a word. But Dr. Keir pointed to the fifth on the calendar before leaving. And I swear to God... Her cheek rippled. Then they immediately came back a minute later, and with wide eyes. How are you awake? We just put you to sleep not an hour ago. Dr. Gear checked my vitals on the screen. Someone messed up the dose. What do you mean? You were just in here. They stopped moving and looked at me with pale faces. You told me I was safe from the disease, no? Call security. Now. Dr. Hannes whispered. Kier nodded and picked up the phone. That wasn't us, Jane. We were just at Officer Izumi and Thompson's rooms, and they told us the same story that we had already seen them. We wanted to write off as a side effect of the drugs, but... But it looks like it's real. Who were those people? Oh god. Dr. Kier. Her, her cheek. It rippled. Like a mask. Like a mask. There are more of those fucking things out there. I started screaming and crying in my bed, and they put me to sleep again. In my dreams, all I could see was Daniel and Chandler standing side by side as father and son. And they smiled. And then their faces were ripped apart, like guiles. I woke up screaming, and my daughter was sitting in the chair across from me. I motioned for her to come close, and I hugged her. Thank God that they hadn't touched Angelina. The only child I have left. You okay, Mom? She nestled into my chest, worryingly. Yeah. I lied. I'm alright. Do you know where your father is? He's in the other room, Mommy. She got up. But 
I don't think you should see him. Why? He keeps saying the word five over and over again. It's really scary, Mommy. All he says is five. As I hold on to my only daughter, I click submit and hope that whatever happens, we will be a family. I will never forget what happened to Chandler. He will always be a part of our family, even if he isn't here. I love you, Chandler. You'll always be here in our hearts. And to Daniel, who is only 40 feet away from me in the next room. It feels like we're worlds apart, and I don't know what's going to happen to you, but... But I love you, too. No matter what. Goodbye for now. No sleep. Wink, 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 wink. Wink, 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 wink. Stare, 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 wink. Wink. Stare, 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 wink, wink. Stare, 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 stare. Daddy? I miss you. Chandler. No sleep, it's me, Jane. You've got to get someone to help us. Anyone at all. We've tried calling the police, but they don't pick up. I think it got to them too. I can't hide for long, but this is what I can tell you in less than 15 minutes. Daniel was next. Okay, Daniel was next. When we were still in the hospital, I got a text from an unknown number. But this time, it wasn't creepy. It said, The seeds are going to either kill them or call it. Run before it gets you. You may be wondering why you should even trust me. But the next part shook me to my core. It said, I'm Guile June. That... That thing took over my body once. It killed my wife in my body and forced me to watch as it ate her body piece by piece. But that's what it needs, Jane. It needs to feed. It's nothing more than a rampaging demon that eats constantly and lives to consume. While I was inside its head, this is what I learned. The demon needs to feed. But without the two catalysts, it will die of starvation in 24 hours. The first catalyst is a direct family member of the meal, quote-unquote. The second is her significant other. It will then absorb him first, and then... Well, food may not be the only thing that this thing feeds on, but the loss of connection between two souls, creating chaos and despair, is also a factor in its satisfaction. Jane. It only goes after women. You have to run. It takes the form of the spouse of the desired victim when it wants to feed again. And last night, it became Daniel. It will bring your son back to you, 
because it wants to eat you. You need to get Daniel with you before it absorbs him completely. Just run. Get out of wherever you are, keep texting me, and I will find you and help you survive. Deal. Of course, I immediately went over to Daniel's room to see if he was crazy. The weirdest thing happened then. I opened the door, where he was sitting in the rubber room in a straitjacket. He still looked the same. My Daniel. Brown hair. Brown eyes. Fair skin. The scar above his left cheek that he got fighting a robber that tried to mug me. The birthmark that I noticed on his nose the first time we kissed. But that smile. Oh god. It wasn't his. His cheek rippled and I ran. I ran as fast as I could, knowing that he knew I knew. I called Guile, desperate for help. Jane? Guile! Guile! If you're really him and not one of them, please, please come. I hear him running out of the hospital, and he's getting closer. By now the police have also noticed and chased after me. Crap. Crap. Come to this address. 20 Henswick... He paused. Guile? Guile! Please, I wasn't helping her. I could hear footsteps in the background. I wasn't, I swear. Two pairs of footsteps. Was it the duo of doctors? The cycle must continue. A low voice. The cycle can change. Both are prey. phone hung up, fleeting screams of terror lingering in my ear. And I knew Guile was gone. Gone because he wanted to help me. I looked back because I was still in public. Maybe this thing wouldn't dare reveal itself any further. The police were gone. It was dead silent. And I got another text. Quack. 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 The duck is back. Quack, quack, quack. I didn't look back for a good mile or so, and now I'm in the alleyways. It knows where I am. It knows where to find me. I'm gonna die here. No sleep. Everywhere I ran, it did something to the people. They kept walking, but their faces changed. Their eyes would glaze over with a black tone, and then they would just keep walking. One woman's head burst open like a grenade, and no one even blinked. They were... they were just all gone. You know what's the most terrifying thing you hear before you know you're going to die? The sound of your crying son. The sound of your husband. The sound of him telling you to put down the phone. The sound. The sound.